Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Broadway Jets podcast. You'll know me from Twitter as NYJ Mike, and I'm joined as always by the master of receipts. It's NYJ Matt. Matt, it's good to be back. Yeah, we took a week break, but we're back, and Mike is battling through a potential COVID case right now. So. <laughs> He's, he's hanging in there. Thanks for, for obviously coming on, Mike. And we're going to rip it like we always do. Jets have a big win, and they needed it badly. Um, Zach Wilson's first game back. They go down to Houston. And for the first time, I tweeted out, since week 14 of 2019, they beat a team under 500, which is a ridiculous stat. But a big win, Mike. Take me through your thoughts on the win. Yeah, look, Zach, it wasn't pretty. Um but the people saying that Zach Wilson was downright bad, the first half was obviously bad. And he started like one for six with 11 yards in the, the pick. And I think the pick is a little bit overratedly bad also. People are like, well, why would he throw the ball to Ty Johnson if he was not turned around? Like, obviously, he thought he was looking. And then he kind of turned around at the last second. Um, but it was nice. It was good to see the defense step up. Zach put together those three straight drives, the two touchdown drives, and then – the third drive where Amandola missed the, the 40 yard field goal. So very clutch. Um, it was aided by a couple of nice catches like the Keelan Cole catch on fourth down late in the game. Ryan Griffin also kind of dropped a touchdown. Um, so there were some good, some bad. The I'm, I'm happy that Zach stayed in the game. It looked like he was going to be out again. Um, the same knee. And that was real concerning. And we were going to have to go back to Flacco or whatever. And just, I'm happy that's not the case. Yeah, it was a gutsy performance. I tweeted out before the game. I said, when, when is the defense going to have a signature moment where they step up? And yeah, they played situ- situationally well to start the year, but that didn't turn into wins. So their young rookie quarterback coming back, are you going to go up and give up 35 again? Or are you going to go up and win the game? And the first drive, Houston going on seven-minute drive. And thank God for JFM getting pressure on that play, picking it off. The whole It was a 14-3 game. Right at that point, it could have been the same old Jets and lose 28 to 17. We all go home and whatever. But 14 to 3 game, you go out and you dominate the second half on the defensive side of the ball. Really had one bad drive um, throughout the game. Got the short field. The Zach Wilson pick was very, very overrated. And we're not Zach Wilson defenders all like it, it was an overrated play that people are gonna harp on. I get it. My biggest takeaway with the game is going on Twitter after the game. A lot of people said, oh, Jets fans are miserable. They can't even like a win. And then I tweeted out, are you happy with the outcome of today's game? 91% said yes. 9% said no. And I feel like somewhere along the way, people are like, oh, Jet fans are crazy. They're morons. Nine out of 10 get it. So yeah, one out of 10 might be annoyed. But there's a weird, and a a lot of main accounts too are going after and being like, oh, Jet fans can't even be happy about a win. This, This fan base is terrible. One out of 10 fans. I, I think that's a very overplayed mark right now on Jets Twitter. Yeah, I think people finally realize that the Jets have their quarterback. Or look, even if Zach Wilson's not the guy, they drafted him two last year. You're not going to tank and draft another quarterback. So there's no reason to tank and lose these games. People finally get to see it. you need to win football games to build the culture. That's what – look at the Quinn Williams video that came out right after the game the Jets posted it. He's like, man, you know – JFM is awesome, and, like, we got a great win, whatever. Like, he's so awesome. Like, he's so happy. Like, he's feeling good. Like, the Jets are just, like, in a good spot mentally. 
And you have to string together some of these wins and learn how to win games. And when you win, good things tend to happen. And you look up five sacks, John Franklin Myers pick, Austin Walter, what a cool story. Zach Wilson, awesome rushing touchdown. Elijah Moore, maybe not the best statistical game he's had, but he was clearly the number one option on offense. Yep. So a lot of good things. Mike, I like this game. It's just not yeah. that. I'm going to piggyback off what you said, too. For the fans that want to lose out and get Aiden Hutchinson or get Kayvon Thibodeau, all right, that's your take. But then think about it in the offseason when you're like, Elijah Moore is going to be great this year. And then you use the – or in 2022. And then you use the highlight of him getting a huge fourth and one conversion. That doesn't happen if you want them to lose. Or AVT monster block or Zach Wilson running for a touchdown. All of these things won't happen. Or how can you – you know, use that as your source of information if you're wanting them to lose. You can't appreciate those moments. So I've always been on the take of you want your team to win. Even during the whole tank for Trevor thing, on this very airwave, we've said after week 12, we said, okay, we kind of get why we want to lose out. And then the Jets won the following week. Every other year, if you have your franchise quarterback and you know that, you do not want to, to lose games in week 12 you're going to wait until september of 2022 to watch your team play football i'm happy they got the win it's good for the staff good for the players you mentioned the keel and cole catch you mentioned elijah moore getting a gutsy fourth down interior o-line gave up one pressure the entire day like those things matter to build a winning culture i'm happy this team got it done against a shitty houston team because that team was not good i don't care if they beat the titans last week you have to beat bad teams if you're going to be a team that's in the hunt if you take advantage of the bad team in your schedule and win a few games, you shouldn't. You should be in the hunt in November. And the Jets, yeah. at a point, they won two games they probably shouldn't, and they didn't capitalize off of the Dolphins. They didn't capitalize off of the Colts on a Thursday night short week, and the Colts are really good. We know that. But those games that they maybe could win, they didn't, and that's why we're 3-8. and Right. And, uh, yeah, the Jets' schedule has turned out to be kind of tough. <laughs> out of nowhere, but, uh, too, yeah. Yeah, more than we kind of thought the Patriots are a little better, too. But more good news – Looks like Beckton's going to practice this week. Yeah, I think the way or that do stuff on the field. Yeah, they, they, <laughs> they say field activity because I don't think they could go another week with saying, "Oh, he's not going to practice" because people are going to freak out. Um, the narrative Beckton last year, I think, was a ninety-seven percent favorable player to three percent people not happy with. I think that number is down to like a seventy-five twenty-five. Obviously, it's like his want, approval rating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we want him to be on the field. Uh, kind of a fluke injury that we've talked about before, uh, but. Beckton coming back would be huge to watch him beside AVT and McGovern's been grading out the best of his career. Yeah. LDT looked great. No pressures. Uh, just, and then at a fan, all, although he had a tough game, gave up a sack and a half or whatever fan has been a very, very average to above average tackle. And Moses has been serviceable. So you actually are building a decent O line around this team. The O line has been, in, in my opinion, exceeded expectations this year without their star. So I agree with you. If, uh, if you tell me Beckton went out week one, then, and the offensive line was where it is right now, it would be overachieving. If Beckton was playing this whole time and this is how the offensive line was performing, I would think it's normal. But yeah. So I'm excited to get Beckton back. I think uh, Moses had a bad game last week, grade wise, the tackles, you know, you mentioned the stat of the interior offensive line played really well. And Wilson was still under some pressure, so that means that Fant and Moses weren't at their best. But I, I don't know. I guess when when Beckton comes back, Fant will continue to play at right tackle. Uh, yeah, that's just a yeah. guess. I, I would agree. 
I would agree. And, and Fant, a captain of your team. Good dude. I'm fine with Fant staying out there. Another thing, too, we didn't touch on yet, the running back position. You assumed with Michael Carter going down, maybe it takes a little bit to get these guys going. The best rushing game of the year for the Jets, if you well, I think a little better than the Week 2 game against New England. You had Coleman, who we've talked about in the pod, has had a, a sneaky burst this entire year. It wasn't a signing that we were really thrilled about, and he's been playing strong. You look at a guy to nowhere, Austin Walter, comes out and, and plays his ass off in yeah. front of the home crowd. Like he was from Houston. Great story. And then I, I just think it's an indictment on Michael P. Ryan that he can't get oh, yeah. out there. When you have Ty Johnson out there, you have Ty Johnson, obviously a guy that nobody thought was going to be on the team in the beginning of 2020 and played well enough to be on the team. Coleman's a random veteran free agent signing. Your number one running back is out and you have a, a practice squad guy comes out and beats a third, fourth round pick from the year before. It's an indictment on, on P. Ryan. I'm just happy that the Jets didn't force P. Ryan to play instead of Walter and do the whole hubris thing. You know, hey, we drafted the guy, blah, blah, blah. Walter came up, nine carries, 38 yards, and a touchdown. Looked really good at a couple of impressive runs. Um, like you said, Coleman's been just exactly what you wanted. Very stable veteran, uh, averaging four yards a carry. You need to plug him in as a spot start, and he looked very comfortable. And he, you know, carried the rock and, and kept the the – the chain's moving. So even Josh Johnson, they bring him in for the little wildcat and yeah. the two-point conversion. Uh, Zach Wilson with the rushing touchdown. So the Jets, you know, want to run the ball and have gotten better at it as the season goes on. And I just – I can't wait till we get Michael Carter back. What a shame. going to be great to have him back. And Coleman, again, if you tell me you have a lead and you have to run the clock out, you need a sure hands in the football, you can't fumble, do I trust Ty Johnson and a practice squad – Austin Walter, no, you trust a Tevin Coleman for veteran running back. So I was happy that he was out there and doing his thing. One thought away from the game is, and I, I talked about it a little bit before with Pirine, the draft class of 2020, here's my take on it. There's that stretch where I, I still think Mims can be a productive player on this team. I don't think Ashton Davis can be a starting safety long-term for your team. Uh, you know, Jabari Zuniga, has one sack in his career and doesn't really do anything. P Ryan, probably not going to be on the team next year. James Morgan left the team now back on the team. Cameron Clark. I keep forgetting he's back. <laughs> yeah. Cameron Clark, um, unfortunately gets a really tough injury and, and out for uh, a long period of time. You look at that stretch and you get nervous and I get nervous as well, but then you, I try to turn around and think of it. You get a JFM off waivers. You get Bryce Huff. You get these guys who are, are, Good moves by Joe Douglas that you start Quincy Williams. Quincy Williams, of course. You start thinking through that and you're like, all right, if you take away you oh, you can't hit on every pick. But if you have six misses here, which would be crippling for a rebuild, it really would be. If you bring together a starting linebacker, a top tier rusher, and obviously I'm I'm missing a third guy here. Quincy, Quincy JFM. And Bryce Huff, you're right, you get three of them. I'll, I'm fine with some misses, especially because the 2021 class has been performing well. Yeah, plus you got a guy like Bryce Hall in that draft. And uh, we'll see what Becton does. And I'm still very high on Becton. And, and again, Mims, the jury's not out on Mims. He's super talented. I still want to see him play more. He's in a log jam at receiver. The Jets are like five, you know, really five deep. Um, so 
Right. That's a good point. You, you know, if it, it's not like McCagney where you had 12 misses and then you also didn't sign any good undrafted free agents or yeah. bring any guys on waivers. So that's true. And look, to get to hit on a guy like JFM is just so important. You got him for absolutely nothing. And now he's just a, a really above average player on your defense for the next four or five years. I love it. I love it. And we needed JFM to have this game after the Tennessee game, going to Atlanta, gets the big or going to London for the Atlanta game, gets the big contract. It doesn't always come up in sacks, but there are games where you say, okay, JFM, do a JFM thing. And he did it against Houston with a huge, huge monster game. You're so right. It's so important how that happened. And another thing that Carolina has been struggling, and now with McCaffrey out, Seattle is a game tonight. Uh, if you're listening to this Tuesday morning, last night, they could potentially go to three and eight and have the fourth pick of the draft. Oh, it's which, such a big game. It's such a big game for the Jets. It, it, it's, it's cool because if you told me in the beginning of the year, Russell Wilson will miss three games through 11, I would probably say they could be five and six, dude. Like they could actually be five and six. They have a potential to be three and eight tonight. That is something that I could not ever have imagined with that pick. And I don't even think it's going to end up being a top five just because they have to play teams. Um, I think their upcoming schedule, there's a few cupcake games, but then there's a, for them, they don't really have a cupcake game. And then they have, I think, uh, Arizona, LA to end the year. So they have two tough games if everyone's starting. So holy hell, if this team gives us the eighth pick of the draft, which probably betting money will be around the eighth pick of the draft, yeah. the Jets end up something around there. This is not only a rebuild, Mike. This is holy fuck. Your team can become a division winner. Oh yeah, right there. And look, this is how it's supposed to happen. Not with the two first round picks, but you draft a quarterback early, and then in the next two or three years, you're supposed to win the division or compete to make the playoffs. That's mm-hmm. how it's supposed to happen. So it's it's just so important that Zach Wilson plays the last uh, seven six games. What do we have six games left? Yeah. He has to play all six games. He has to learn. He can go through more bumps and bruises. That's totally fine. But get be on the field. Uh go through the growing pains, throw some cool touchdowns, and let's develop. Because we have to be ready next year. To, yeah. No more, no more time to wait. Yeah. And and I, I think you know, Zach Wilson, when you look at him, he's pissed. Even though they won. You could tell it's not like, oh, I'm a rookie. I'm going to get better. It happens. It's the NFL. He's like, I practiced my ass off this week and was so ready and prepared for this game, and it sucks to go out there and not play the way I want. Every game, it's the same thing. I I don't want to keep tweeting it out, but if you put together the first quarter stats of the Zach Wilson-led offense, first quarter, he's completing like 33% of his passes, has like 80 total yards. It's unbelievable numbers. And then in those games, he still managed to have two wins. So two and five QB record is it technically with a, yeah, the fifth five. game against the fifth game hurt against the Patriots. It was really like two and four and a half. So you say two and four, you're saying to yourself, all right, the world's not ending. The Jets don't have a perfect roster around him. The defense has played underwhelming, but they obviously played even worse when he was out. Yeah. So Zach Wilson has six games and you mentioned it to make the easy short throws. Is it concerning? Yes, but you can teach. You can teach Zach Wilson to make a short throw. You can't teach another quarterback, a Mac Jones, to roll right off his back throat, throw 58 yards down the field. 
You can't teach that, but you can try to teach the short passes, and he needs to get better on it. Mac Jones right now is playing his ass off. I give a lot of credit to Mac Jones, but our guy with a maybe not as functional organization around him is struggling a little bit, and he can bounce back and be better for it. But we still think we we are not ones that are going to be like, oh, Zach Wilson's automatically is going to be a top five quarterback. We're like, he needs to get there, but we're not going to throw him under the water after a handful of games. No, it is concerning that he can't make a simple throw. He's like, uh, something like, oh my God. You know, some of these throws, a four yard pass, he throws it into the floor, he throws it out of bounds, whatever. But he's also, it's not a coincidence that all the rookie quarterbacks, not named Mac Jones, with the best head coach in the history of football and a very talented roster around them, are all struggling. Every single one of them is struggling. Um, even, and, and to your point about the first quarters, a lot of the times, I think every single game, Zach Wilson, touches the ball, he's down like 7 nothing, 10 nothing. Some of that's on him, too, you know, throwing interceptions, blah, blah, blah. But And it was happening in, on Sunday. The Texans were driving down the field. You brought it up before, JFM with the big interception. I was saying to myself before the pick, I'm like, oh, here we go again. Zach Wilson going to be down 7 nothing. How's he going to ease into the game? We can't get the run game going, et cetera. Defense made the big play. Uh, we got three out of it. But um, and, and this time, you know, a lot of the – a couple of games early in the year, you were looking at LaFleur, say, hey, man, maybe throw some shorter passes, some easier stuff. And I think he did that this week, and it still didn't work. Um, but at least Zach settles down, and he led those big drives. He come back from 14-3, 11 points down. The NFL is not easy. And now both of Zach's wins, he's been down 10 points or more. Yeah. And with LaFleur, we, uh, we tweeted it, we said it. You can be underwhelmed and upset with the performance, but you're not going to throw him out after one year. And th- it could have been very possible that the Jets won a few ugly games and the floor didn't look good, but no, they've won games and he looked great. They've lost games. The offense put up 34 points, right? There's the floor has been very, very strong. Oh, every time been great now, yeah. every time I think, oh, we should, you know, I'm fine with a second long run here because we're almost in field goal range or third and four. Yeah inside zone run if you go fourth and one you can go for it and they ended up getting it with ty johnson on that carry anyway stuff like that i was all on board with uh maybe one play action shot over the top I, they didn't really have any of those but that's fine you can't it could it could have been too we don't know you know maybe right, right, they're right. really like telling zach wilson to throw some check downs <laughs> he's like not gonna launch one down the field and throw a pick but yeah, I'm, so- I'm very ha- i'm very happy with the jets offense recently it feels like good things are gonna happen when they do whatever it really does. It really does. And the cool thing is, four picks in the top 42. The most late, latest mock draft has the Texans going quarterback, which opens up an Evan Neal and Aiden Hutchinson going four, Derek Singletary, going, Derek Singletary Jr. going five, which is a dream, a pipe dream to have those two. Carolina sucks. You get their pick. It just is going perfect. It, it, it's so much fun to look at the mock draft. We're going to have a lot of fun with that in the offseason. Mike, time to get into hypotheticals? Yeah, please. All right. Here we go. Hypotheticals from Twitter. Everyone can kind of agree that Moore is number one for wide receivers, but nobody is ready to talk about Keelan Cole being wide receiver two. Corey Davis has to be ahead of Keelan Cole in the depth chart for a ton of reasons, but Keelan Cole, I'm so fine with remaining on the team as a a backup outside guy, a guy that you can always rotate in who – catches basically everything thrown at him. He's an energy guy in the locker room and outside the locker room. I love Cole, but I'm not ready to put him over Corey Davis. No, I don't know what the, the, the Jet fans are. 
I think a little bit too frustrated with Corey Davis, even when, you know, he has a couple of drops, he had the fumble against the Patriots, but he would still be on like a thousand yard pace for the season. Mm-hmm. He had the, the big game against the, the Titans with a couple of touchdowns. He had a touchdown week one against the Panthers. I mean, I, I'm Corey Davis is, is the Jets want him to be the number one. Yeah. But he's a fine, he probably should be a number two and he's a fine number two. And Keelan Cole hasn't done anything in his career that suggests that he should be the number two. Um, he he has sticky hands. He makes a lot of nice plays, like you said, but I don't think he gets open consistently enough for really should be that number two guy. Yeah, yeah, I hear you. That was from Nick, the Jets fanatic. Now to Joe Liberta, big fan of oh. the program. Joe, what, why can't Robert Sala start building something like the next great head coach, Dan Campbell? Sarcastically, of course, I, I called it out. The narrative of Dan Campbell, and and yeah, I think Dan Campbell is a high energy. I like his energy. He's a football lifer. All, all fine with that. His team has not won a football game through 11 weeks, and I cannot believe people are saying he's building the culture and doing it the right way and should be retained. And you have people like Colin Coward and more media people out there saying that you have to get rid of Robert Salah after one year, and he just won his third game. So I, I can't believe the Those losses. Yeah, they, the media loves those close losses. I mean, they do have, like, some tough losses, but they also got blown out in a, in a number of games. So, like, they lost 44-6 to six to the Eagles. Oh, they lost 34-11 to the Bengals. We beat the Bengals. You know, also, like- I, I know not everything's considered on the roster, but one team has a rookie quarterback who was from BYU. Another team has a quarterback who played in the Super Bowl. So don't give right. me don't give me the shit about – the lines are terrible. They're not great. They're bad. But if you're 0-11 or 0-10-1, you, you, you own that record. Basically asking, are you concerned with Wilson's level of play after having his injury healed? They talked about how when Darnold was out for four weeks, his rookie year, he came back and popped off pretty well. Um, any concern, Mike? A little bit, honestly. Um, look, it's been, what, six games, seven games? So in that sense, no. And I'm the most patient person in all of sports. I think Zach should have every single opportunity to succeed for the next three years. And then at that point, you figure something else out. Um, the only thing concerning is some of the easy, easy throws, which again, which we always say you could teach him how to make those throws, et cetera. And he's going to get more familiar with the system. Even he came out and said he has to trust what he's seeing more, which is totally normal. He's a rookie quarterback. Um, but you just want to see a little more consistency with some of these throws. And other than that, he has talent. He's tough. He's cool. Um, hopefully we could win a couple more games now to increase his confidence. Yeah, I'm in the same boat. I'm in the same boat. We got to get him out there, feel him 100% healthy. Now going to Chris Nealon, what positions would you target with the first four picks of the draft? Uh, I, I'll take this one. I've been thinking, putting a lot of thought into it. I think you have to go through the top four on defense. I don't – obviously they won't take a quarterback. Last two years, they've had five picks in the first or second round. They went offense on all five of those picks. So now you go forward and you go attack defense. I would go, I, you can't go quarterback. You can't, I don't think you go running back. Mike Carter has been good enough. You don't want to waste a top pick. I don't see Joe Douglas doing that. People want Garrett Wilson out of Ohio State as a wide receiver. He's a legit number one. What are we going to have? Yeah, I, I don't think they go receiver. You can go O line. We are completely on board with a, the Linderbaum, depending on where Seattle's pick, falls. 
uh, you can go tackle again and really have two bookends. I don't think they would go guard again at all. So it leaves defense and you go edge, you can go Hutchinson, you can go corner. Singley Jr. is more of a high risk, high ceiling. Sauce Gardner is fucking un- incredible. I watched the entire Cincinnati game on Saturday or on Friday. He was lights out. So go corner, go edge, go inside linebacker. Jordan Battle, Alabama safety is probably going to go an early two, right where the Jets are picking. So the you- Hamilton guy. Kyle Hamilton. I mean, he's going to go early first round. Yeah, yeah. You mean the yeah, I, I, I don't, and I, I know this is dumb, and you can call me crazy. I don't think in any world does Joe Douglas trade for an additional one and then take a safety with the one that he traded for a safety. I know it's crazy. I know it's dumb. I just don't see them doing it from a, an optics per- standpoint and safety not being a valuable position. Yeah, we'll see what the Jets do. It's safety will be super interesting with May if they try to bring him back or – you know, get someone else, uh, like a good veteran to come in. I keep reading the Jets have money in free agency, too. Fair they point have so have much to. money. <laughs> yeah. So cool. They're going to get studs. This team is going to be Lawson. damn cool with Carl Lawson coming back. I'm uh, ready to go. Uh, yeah. <laughs> ben Noskin, who would win the fight between you, NYJ Matt, and Rich Samini? NYJ Mike, NYJ Matt, Rich Samini. So, like the two of us versus Rich Smeedy? I think in a one v one v one free for all. Oh, I feel like we would naturally team up against him. Yeah, and then we'd we'd fight against each other. I don't know. I'm kind of sick right now. I have a disadvantage. Fully healthy, Mike would win. I'm probably just like larger. You're you're more mass than me. I, I think you would win. Rich is old too. Rich is old. He should have been out of the game years ago, but he can't go home because he hates his wife. Is that true? That's a, it's a quote from uh, Liar Liar. <laughs> Jim Carrey. Uh, Andy Sukoff, build your Ultimate Jets coaching staff with people who have been on the sideline. The catch, they can only be the coach that they were on the Jets. So the Rex can only be a head coach, not a DC from Andy Sukoff. That's a great question. Fuck. I guess Parcells <laughs> would be your head coach. You would, you would, you would have to go Parcells. I would agree. I don't think Eubank would have. Uh, he would have some trouble adjusting to the modern game. I, I think defensive coordinator is an, an automatic too. Who? I think Belichick. Oh yeah. <laughs> so you take the the Parcells. You just have a ninety-eight staff. <laughs> and then offensive coordinator. Oh, Marty Mortimer. <laughs> <laughs> I just would love the press conferences of Belichick. Parcells and like a Tony Sperano, rest in peace. You bring back Schottenheimer. Bring back Schott. The offensive coordinator is so tough because in our lifetime, I don't think you can point at one and be like they have to be the off the, the best of the best. No, no, no. But Marty Lake had a good year in 2015. Of course, of course. Oh no, no. Chan Gailey was in 2015. Yeah, I was going to say I think Chan Gailey was 20. Marty Lake was one after that or before that. They're God, all the same. Man. I'm thinking of Chan Gailey, but Chan Gailey hates tight ends. The Jets had like five t- catches from the tight ends in 2015. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we'll rapid fire. We have a handful. Of, of oh, Mike Westoff would be the special teams coach, by the Correct. way. Correct. Yeah. Correct. All right. Coming from trust the process, who would win the push-up competition between us? Me and you? Yeah. I don't know. Why don't you do like 20? Well, I think I would win then. You could probably win. It might I, could, be, I could do like 40. I don't know. I don't have good upper body When strength. I was pl- pledging my fraternity, I could do like 50. In a row, but I, 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 right now, if you're, if you 
put a gun to my head and be like, you have to keep going until you drop, I could probably do like 40. Yeah, I get yeah. Yeah, that's fair. We'll, uh, we'll test it out one day. <laughs> um, Jonathan Osip, which current or former Jet would you think has the best chance of winning Squid Game? Wow. <laughs> like, my initial reaction went Quincy Williams for no reason at all. On that note, I would say Harvey Lange. But, but both those guys are too insane. Like the episode where they have to walk across the glass, they would just run off the cliff like psychopaths. Maybe maybe like Nick Mangold, someone really smart. Ryan Fitzpatrick with the Harvard. Oh, Fitz would be good. But can Fitz fight? Like the, they go to the night? That's a good you question. Know, like, turn the lights off, you'll try to kill each other. Yeah, Quincy Williams is not losing a fight to Ryan Fitzpatrick. No. I like that. Good job, Jonathan. I like it. All right, Bernie Lomax. How do you feel with the Zach Wilson ceiling as Derek Carr comments by DJ Bienemy, DJ, friend of the program? I <laughs> it's a weird, I don't know. I don't have a take on it. Like, yeah, I would really like for Zach Wilson to lead the league in passing and be a potential top 12 quarterback every year. I I also want him to be like the best quarterback. So I have no take on it. I don't it's a weird, it's a question that I stayed out of on Twitter because I didn't really know where I fell. Yeah, me too. It's a weird comparison because I don't think of that as the comp at all. Like Derek Carr is very calm and likes to throw the ball short. And uh, it just doesn't like seem like the comp for Zach Wilson. So, yeah, uh, sure. Yeah, <laughs> maybe. I think uh, he's like not like the gunslinger-ish type. So that seems what Zach is. Yeah. Only Jets won. Does Zach Wilson give this team the best chance to win right now? If yes, why? If no, should he be playing and should we be tanking? What is the value creating a winning culture? I think it's a meaningless term. So I'll address part of it. I don't know if Zach Wilson gives this team the best chance to win, but that is why you have to play him to find out if he does over a long period of time and to find out if he's worth taking, you know, that you took him at two overall. And I do think there is part of it of Zach Wilson laid an egg in Houston and doesn't play well. The locker room starts saying, are we trying to win or are we trying to evaluate? Because I want to fucking win this football game and we've looked pretty good under other quarterbacks. I'm happy they won for that reason alone, but no, you should not be tanking. No, no, no. And I don't, I mean, maybe Joe Flacco gives them like a tiny bit better chance to win, but it's not enough of a chance to win more that you wouldn't play Zach Wilson. What is like a 2%, 3% chance more? You know, if it's that, I, I just I don't think. No, think of like a Wilson. Vegas line. Think of a line movement. So the Jets are two and a half point underdogs in Houston with Zach Wilson playing. If Flacco is in there instead of Wilson, is it a two point? It's not going to be like a three point Jet favorite. There's guys yeah. that move the line that much. That is the Aaron Rodgers. That is the Russell Wilsons. It's not going to move a lot from Wilson to Flacco, and that's why you have to evaluate him. Right. Um, MADA. Is this where you thought we'd be after eleven games? I wouldn't be shocked. If you're telling me we're three and eight, wouldn't be shocked. How we got here is unpredictable. Like you can never in a million <laughs> years. Four guys there for 290 yards. It's unbelievable um, how we got here. But the record itself, I would not be surprised. I would have obviously liked four and seven. I think that's a lot better. I would have liked five and six. I did not think that it was an automatic chance that this team would have a winning <laughs> record at this time. It's a shame that if we were four and seven, we might be in the hunt. We'd be I'm damn close. Fuck. We'd be damn close. Jude Jets, who is, uh, I love Jude Jets. He's a great YouTube account. Uh, what if this is Jude Jets is the one that they did the different variants with? The Jude variants from Jets. Oh, Twitter. yeah. 
Great, great. He said, what if Adam Gase had Zach Wilson and Robert Salah had Sam Darnold? Very good question. I think Sam would be much better and Zach would be worse. It just it's one of the worst coaches in the history of football. And we don't know what Salah is yet, but yeah. You know. It's fair. I like it. Vitamin P. <laughs> If the Jets are forced to move to another local stadium arena to call home, where would you? Where would they go? I'm going to change your question for you. I'm going to say the Jets could relocate where they could go. And I think Long Island would be pretty damn cool. I think anywhere in the city where you get a really good environment and you can somehow find the land to build it, that's a no-brainer with the skyline around. It would be great. As long as it's local. If the Jets moved, like... It's my biggest fear ever. People always say, you know, you know, this year was tough. We'll get up next year. There's always next year. What if your team relocates to the other side of the country? That's happened before. Like, it's so sad. What if you were a St. Louis Rams fan? And then you go to LA. That's horrible. That's disturbing. Very strange. I was talking to your cousin about this. We went to the game. He was saying, I tried to, I tried to make the argument. Is it worse if your team goes to London or I, f- I forgot how I said it. Go to London or go to California. I think it was like the different places that they could have went. I think both are horrific, to be honest. It's fair. For us, like in the East Coast, oh, yeah. <laughs> the California Jets, it wouldn't be the same. Cali Jets, great follow on Twitter. Yeah. Wani Boy, Juan, what? huge friend of the program. Would you rather have Brock Lesnar punch you in the dick or watch? Madam and Dole kick another field goal that you know he'll miss. I'm, I'm going with the field goal. I just know he's going to miss it anyway. It's painful. It sucks. But um, <laughs> I can't get punched in the dick. Jets need to get a real kicker. You know what's crazy? Like the whole Nick Folk thing. is Very weird. He's, like he was going to go out of the league. And then now he's like a top kicker again. So why don't we just keep him? It's good. Fair point. Fair point. Certified armchair GM wants to know if you could pick one reporter to morph into a Jets fan, DJ Bienemy or Connor Hughes, both have been on the Broadway Jets podcast. Who would you turn to a Jet fan? I think it would be more satisfying for to turn DJ. It would be he's so anti-Jets. Maybe he's so anti-Jets, like when you're in middle school and you have a crush on someone and you're like mean to them. Like maybe DJ really does like I don't even I think he's anti-radical Jet fans. He kind of he's been a good beat reporter, in my opinion. Connor Hughes, known Giant fan, huge Giant fan, been a Giant fan his entire life. Um, I would pick DJ as well. And then finally, from Michael Poulter, if the Jets were a beer, what beer would they be? The decision may or may not be what I'll be having at the tailgate on Sunday. Oh, so this is a big... This is interesting. It depends. If you are looking to have this or about you that you're rich or whatever, go with like a high-class beer, get an IPA, be a little snooty. If you want to be an everyday guy, drink a Bud Light, Miller Light, crash them. Have, you can have 12 Bud Lights and be fine, responsibly. Yo, what are the Jets compared to as a beer? Like, I, I mean, wins, losses the last few years, it'd be like Natty Light, but maybe, maybe something that has like a really good following. They probably would be like an IPA. Has like a, a, ham, a ham special light. 
The dumbest. I got like a 32 pack for like $8. I like it. I like it. If we didn't get to your question, it probably came in after this was recorded. So I apologize. If you did make it this far, subscribe to the YouTube, follow us on Twitter, get after it. Anything else, Mike? Yeah, like the Jets, I think Jalen Hurts might be out on Sunday. Uh, either way, the Eagles, I think, have over, overperformed a little bit. They're 5-7. and seven. They run the ball well, so they're not the best matchup for us. But if the Jets can go out and beat the Eagles, it would be the first time in franchise history we'd be 4-8, and eight, and we'd be looking at a date with the Saints to potentially be in the hunt. So big things ahead. I like it. All right, talk to you soon, buddy.